T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Issues 2017. I'm Steve McIntosh. Our guest is former Sedgwick County Sheriff Mike Hill. And today we're discussing the Holiday Inn sniper attack in downtown Wichita 41 years ago. Welcome to Issues 2017, uh, Your Honor. Can I call you Mike? Please do. I always like to call you Sheriff and mostly Sir. Well, you've called me worse than that. (laughs) I guess so. It was uh, August 11th, 1976. A young man named Michael Souls went to a top floor at Wichita's Holiday Inn and began firing a rifle, killing three people, wounding eight more. I was there as a young reporter for radio station KEYN, and Mike, you were there as a member of law enforcement with a big challenge that day, stop the shooter. And uh, I've been looking at some of the recent uh, publications about this, and they're calling this the 26th floor of the Holiday Inn. They don't have 26 floors down there, do they? What was he on, 23rd or 24th, wasn't he? Do you recall? It was the top floor. The top, okay. On the, <laughs> and it's, it, it was the uh, southeast corner. Yep. And if you drive by there today, you look up, you can still see the patios there on, yeah. that face south. And that today it's not a Holiday Inn, of course. It's some sort of a, a retirement apartment or something like no, that. No, it's uh, actually uh, apartments, uh, the apartments, at least. There's uh, a lot of young professionals living in there, and it, it's not a retirement community. It's uh, gets a it's Some a, active people. Yeah. Well, let's uh, uh, let's walk walk through walk through the events with us for that fateful afternoon. You were at that time with the police department. I yes. Believe. Tell me about that. What were you? Were you a homicide? What were you doing that? Yeah. No. At that particular time, I was a uniformed uh, uh, lieutenant on second watch, and it was a shift change. At that time, everybody uh, changed down at. City Hall, Central Maine, the police garage was in the west end of the, uh, what's now the parking garage. And it was five minutes till three o'clock that afternoon. And a call came out through the dispatcher that we had a shooter on the roof of the Holiday Inn and asked for a supervisor. Uh, I was the administrative lieutenant. I told him I'd be en route. And we were able to ascertain that the individual was on the southeast corner, so we came in from the uh, uh, northwest, drove up the ramp. It was a Holiday Inn, double doors, and we, Sergeant Charlie Franklin was standing there waiting for us, uh, I and three others, uh, headed for the roof. And when we got up there, uh, the door leading to the roof was still locked and we had a individual with keys and then we heard that he was on the southeast corner of the building on a balcony the employee took us over there he had a pass key but the door to that particular room was uh, chained so we didn't want to go in that way and he let us into the adjoining room and looking through the sliding glass doors we could actually see the silhouette of souls as he was firing his rifle uh, 
and you could actually see the smoke coming out of the end of the gun. Now, who was with you? I t- three of us went in that uh, room. There was myself, Officer Hank Salmons, and uh, Richard Clare. Uh, the three of us went in, and uh, you could see, like I say, you could see what was seen, and I had an assault rifle, plus they brought their shotguns up. I grabbed one of the shotguns from one of them. And Claire got down in the prone position where he could look under the partition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fired one round through the glass, through that uh, pasteboard partition, and he went down. I figured it was over. I, I took a breath and relaxed a little bit. And all of a sudden, Claire... He says, uh, he's uh, pointing his weapon our direction. So I fired two more rounds, relaxed, thinking it was over. And at that time, Salmon's rolled over the bed, threw me some more shotgun shells, and he had a shotgun. And uh, we emptied both our shotguns at him, and it was over. Now, you both were fired several shots then, which I didn't uh, realize that you had Fired that many times. We fired probably eight rounds, nine rounds. What, why, why, what do you think happened? Did the, did the partition slow the shot down or something? Well, he had double-lot buck all the way through his body. Okay. And it just wasn't his, it, was, it just wasn't his time to go, to be quite frank with you. And he, at that time, we could hear him say, I give up. And so we told him to uh, crawl to the door and unlatched the door. That time, John Coonrod, who was lieutenant, was in the hall. Steve Trainer, who was a police officer, was in the hall. And they actually blew the chain off with <laughs> another round of shotguns. Shotguns are wonderful for that type of work. <laughs> and we opened the door, and he was uh, in the prone position, laying on his stomach. We cuffed him, and... Uh, took him into custody from the time the call came out until uh, we had the cuffs on him. It was 11 minutes. Back up just a little bit. There okay. you go. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was my next question. How long was he actually firing up there? 11 minutes from the first call till you guys got him then? Huh? It was 11 minutes from the time we received the from call. You received it. He had been firing before that. Then, yes. Probably. And okay. uh, uh, during that uh, 11, 15-minute barrage, uh, three people lost their lives, and I believe it was eight, maybe nine that uh, were wounded. How was he armed? What was the, the weapon that he was using there? Did he have more than one? He had two. He had a sighted long gun, and he had a just a plain old open sight. Now, I can't tell you to this day, uh, this day what the caliber of the weapon was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, that's a, many years ago. You, that time of the day... Um, Today, in downtown Wichita, there's not a lot of foot traffic down there. But that time of the day, on that day, was there a lot of uh, traffic down there? People milling around? Or? Well, there were, there were people going about their daily business. Yeah. Uh, there were people going to Century 2. A couple of victims were going to Century 2. Uh, uh, two sisters to, uh, I believe, purchase some tickets for a concert at Century 2. And one of them was wounded. Uh, uh, someone that you and I know uh, knew well, Joe Goulard. Uh, he used to work for the Wichita Eagle, and then he was a freelance photographer. And Joe was coming around uh, that circular drive. 
east of Century 2. Right. And uh, he took one round, and uh, he he uh, was expired on the scene. Yeah. And well, we had two others expired. On and the when scene. you got there, he, he was, uh, I mean, the car was just sitting there with the doors open where he had been hit through the windshield. Yes. Uh, Joe was a, a really interesting character. Always had a cigar in his mouth, right? They, a little stub. They broke the mold when they made Joe Goulart. He shot film for Channel 3, I think, too. And uh, those be, of us, all of us got to run into him one time or another. Oh, Interesting guy. We always <laughs> ran into him on, on the scene. <laughs> on, his, on the police beat, he was everywhere. Huh? The other two, one, I think one gentleman was shot down below on top of a roof. He worked for, a, Hensley was his name. Yeah. And he worked for a glass glazing company and they were replacing glass there at the Kiva Mall. Did, uh, now when Souls went down, did he say anything besides I give up? No, that's all he said. And uh, we cuffed him and we had emergency personnel coming up. He was loaded on the gurney and taken to St. Francis. Who, what did you, what did you do then, Mike, after that, Mike? Did you go over to the hospital? Did you go down? What, what was your next step? The three of us. Did you just want to get out there and go home? <laughs> no, 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 not really. We had work to do. A lot to work, yeah. Uh, the three of us that went up and then uh, the t- some of the guys that came up later, they all gathered us together in a room and uh, to decompose, decompress a little bit. And then uh, we were, went down to the uh, investigation section just like uh, you know, back then, and uh, detectives there were assigned to uh, interview us, just like uh, anyone else involved in a situation. The uh, the decompression uh, in a situation like that, obviously the the adrenaline is running, the adrenaline's running through your veins and quartz and gallons. I mean, you've got to be high, high as a kite, not because it's a good excitement, but it's a it's an excitement. That happens. I mean, it's well, nothing you want to do every day. A lot, lot of people handle things differently than someone else. I personally, uh, in my 38 years in law enforcement, I'm one of those unique individuals. And even to this day, I can look at things straight on, black on white. Don't get emotionally involved. Do what you got to do and, and go on. People ask me uh, a day or two after that, well, what did you do that evening when you went home? I said, I uh, probably got home midnight, 1 o'clock. I said, well, I went to bed and went to sleep. They couldn't believe it. But that's, that, that, that's just the way I handle it. A lot of people wouldn't handle it that way, I don't think. I, uh, I can't comment. Oh, you know, yeah, I know yeah. you're not in their skin, so you can't tell us. <laughs> you know, the, the era that you and I were raised in is a lot different than what the young folks are raised in today. Now, just uh, as a, an insert here, uh, after you, you, then you went uh, through the police department and, and gained gained uh, uh, promotions and whatnot. And what, what did you wind up uh, at Wichita PD? What was your final rank there? I, I was the commander of the uh, Special Investigations Bureau on the fifth floor, which uh, handled all crimes, uh, aggravated crimes against uh, individuals, robberies, rapes, mm-hmm. homicides, aggravated assaults. Then we also did auto thefts, checks, sex crimes, and all... Uh, <laughs> you do everything. <laughs> all civil lawsuits brought against the uh, city of Wichita 
uh, criminal lawsuits brought against the city of Wichita. We we looked at those. Uh, you also, of course, some of the more prominent investigations at the time. Uh, one of them was you probably started on BTK. Then were you not involved in that? Yes, uh, the, the the Oteros, Find, uh, torture, and kill. And Nancy Fox, yeah. uh, the lady on South Hyde Rollick, uh, and uh, then. Uh, while I was sheriff, we had a couple of uh, uh, victims of his out in the county. So what's interesting, when, that, when he was finally brought to justice, the people, the lab investigators, back then, some of the evidence that they collected and preserved were instrumental in the prosecution of Raider. They hung on to that. Yes. Made sure that nothing happened yes. to it. All right, so then you, you spent, uh, how many terms were you elected sheriff of Central Four. Four? What was, how was that uh, different from being on the police department? Obviously, you got to run for office, right? Well, yes. Uh, basically, you don't have a supervisor when you're the sheriff. You do not answer to anybody in the government when you're the sheriff. Not even county commissioners? No. You do not work for the county commissioners. You work for the community. The only hammer the county commissioners have on another elected and the sheriff is during the budget time. Yeah. From then on, you, you operate independently. You work with them, but you don't work for them. Obviously, you liked it. It, it was a good job. <laughs> uh, 16 years, it was time for new blood. Uh, and then what did you do after that, Mike? You know, I didn't do anything <laughs> okay. for, uh, uh, well, yes, I did. Because uh, I left there in January of 01, and I went to work for Midwest Corporate Aviation as the chief operating officer out in Jabara. And everything was going great guns until 9-11. And our, uh, our, our black line, profit line, turned red immediately. Uh, everybody talks about the commercial air traffic and the devastation. No, it was devastating also to private aviation. Yeah. Even the ambulance business, the charter, they shut us all down. Wow. And so I was talking to Marvin Autry, who was the owner of the company. I said, something's got to happen. And he said, what are your suggestions? I said, well, we got too many chiefs, not enough. Uh, we got to keep our Indians around. Uh, let me write a restructure. And I restructured and uh, presented it. And during that restructure, my position, I uh, was eliminated. So you eliminated yourself. I didn't do anything then <laughs> for a while. And then you're my dear friend. I've known him since kindergarten. He's still a friend today. Bob Knight decided to run for mayor. I mean, run for uh, governor. So I worked on his campaign and we weren't successful. We got, uh, we, we got defeated in the primary. So I went back to every day as a Saturday club. And then I got a call from Via Christi. They wanted me to uh, come and chat with them. That's when uh, St. Sister, the two different uh, congregation sisters joined as one and it became Via Christi, not St. Joe, St. Francis. Yeah. And uh, they offered me a position as corporate 
security director, and I did that for eight years. And when I hit 70, I said, well, it's, That's enough. It's, it's enough. And you're listening to Issues 2017 on the Intercom Radio Stations. Our guest, former Sedgwick County Sheriff Mike Hill. We've been discussing mostly the Holiday Inn sniper attack in downtown Wichita 41 years ago. That's on August 11th of uh, 1976. You know, we, we know law enforcement is trained to face life-and-death situations, Mike. Uh, it seems that in that, that day in 1976, you guys didn't hesitate. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of time to plan, was there? Well, there, we, there was no such thing as SWAT teams and stuff you, that uh, the men and women have to face today. Uh, when you got on a call, you went and you, you handled it right then. What did you, did you learn anything from the experience? <laughs> no, I, I really don't know. I, okay. I, Some people say, well, we should have done this differently, should have done that differently, but it doesn't sound like there was no, a it, lot of it, alternative it, there. Because, uh, I'm not being, uh, I'm not bragging, but 11 minutes was a pretty good operation. Ever discuss uh, that day with any of the other men who were there? You ever talk about it at all? It, it don't come up all that often. I, I do, oh, it was three or four years. I, I, I get my hair cut down to Kiva Mall every other Thursday. And I always noticed an individual there, he, he got his hair cut after I got mine. And about three years ago, he walked up to me and, and he said, Sheriff, I, I want to shake your hand. You know? And of course, I thought, well, I wonder what. He was one of the victims. And if you reflect back, there's a picture of him with a, his head bandage sitting on the curb and Officer Ken Adamson is assisting him. And that's who it was. Wow. And, and he, and so here, this was uh, 38, 39 years later. And he said, I just want to say thank you. Wow, that's terrific. And you know, I, from my own personal experience, all I did was come down there and they were, the guy was still firing when I got there, but uh, when when you guys got the all clear, and that that street below the uh, Holiday Inn was just filled with people. Everybody in the world came out of well, the buildings. It, it, it yeah. was in the aftermath. They, he wasn't still well. Sick. Not even in the aftermath. One thing we noticed, of course, people are curious. Yeah, yeah. You, you look out, and the Garvey Building to the there were people standing in the, the office windows, windows looking out. <laughs> I'd heard that. There, well, were, there were lots of them. I think I would have tried to duck. But. Now, tell us, tell us, talk a little bit about this Michael Souls. Who was this kid? Where did he come from? Michael Souls came from Sand Springs, Oklahoma, uh, just west of Tulsa. It's a suburb of Tulsa. And he arrived in Wichita. Uh, he was a, needless to say, a strange individual. He was a loner. He had broke up with his girlfriend. Uh, that's what he used for an excuse. I, I, I can't accept that. And he uh, loaded up a lunch pail full of uh, ammunition, walked into the lobby of the Holiday Inn with two weapons. Very obvious there were weapons, but back then people didn't think about it. Got on the elevator and went up to the floor. Wow. Today's world, the alarms would be going off if they saw somebody like that. Now, he's, uh, he's been denied parole several times over the years. When that comes up from time to time and they have a parole hearing, do you go to those, Mike? You know, I, I never had 
went to one. They just had one a couple months back. It was down at Derby, uh, Court's uh, Police Department. And I thought, you know, I'll go down there. And nothing was planned. As I pulled in the drive, I saw Judge Keith Sandburn. He was there. He was walking in. And when I Keith walked... Keith Sandburn, you're talking about the former district attorney? Yes, Judge Sandburn. Okay. He was a district court judge when that was right, happened. Right, right, right. And I walked in, and our current district attorney, Mark Bennett, was there. And I, we all took a number, and Judge was up on the front row. And I sat by Mark, and he says, what do you think we all go up there together? I said, well, why don't you go talk to Judge? And Judge agrees, we do. So they called our number, and the three of us went up. Judge was on my uh, left. District attorney was on my right. And I opened up the testimony explaining what, how we were notified, how it went down, what we did. Uh, and then after I got through, judge took over and talked about the court proceedings mm -hmm. and, and the trial. After judge was finished, Mark Bennett, DA Mark Bennett, he got a, he he commented to the board that if we had had the laws back then that we have today, there would not be a parole hearing. We didn't have, neither say we didn't have the death penalty. And back then we didn't have the hard 50 without any parole. And that was all explained. And usually it's every three years. The parole board took our testimony and testimony of a couple family members, and they made the right decision. They, uh, it's not three years for, before he has another parole hearing. It's 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Which I think is the appropriate decision. You think he'll ever get out, Mike? I, uh, you know. <clears throat> Well, he's 60-some years old now. Oh, is he that old? Yeah. You know, it's been, what, 41 years, and he was 20. That's 61 or 62. He'll be 71 or He'll be your age next time. <laughs> <laughs> careful. Careful there. But, uh, no, I, I don't think he'll ever get out. And, and he shouldn't get out. He should never breathe one breath of fresh air. Now, you look back on, on a career that uh, spanned, I don't know how many years in law enforcement, but a long 38. 38. And uh, your West Side uh, guy, um, if you look back over that career, and I know you, you, you did very, very well uh, in the police department and Sedgwick County Sheriff. Um, law enforcement, uh, you know, they're looking at now sometimes hard to recruit people. Um, what do you think about that? Or what would you recommend to a young person who might be considering a law enforcement career? I, could, I cannot tell them not to do it if, that, if, that, if that's what they want to do. It's a good uh, career. It's a, a self-satisfying career. I don't care uh, what profession it is. There's a couple time, a couple people in all professions that's a bad apple. It happens in public safety. It happens in broadcasting. It happens everywhere. But it's a good, satisfying uh, career. They have challenges that we didn't even imagine back then. Uh, when, when Richard Lemonian and I, we were recruiting we were in the same recruit class. We had nine weeks of training. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 
we came back out and rode with a seasoned officer until 11. After nine weeks, we were graduated, and now it's 22 weeks and nine weeks field deputy training. A lot of more training today, man. Yeah, it really hey, is. Hey, listen, we're out of time. Thank you so much for spending some time with me this morning. I appreciate it. Our guest, former Sedgwick County Sheriff Mike Hill, and this morning on the Issue Show, we've been discussing the Holiday Inn sniper attack in downtown Wichita approximately 41 years ago and uh, on August 11th. That's all for this edition of Issues 2017. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.